Today we celebrate, once again, the feast of St. Thomas Aquinas. And a little bit about his life, I can't go into everything, but he's born in the 13th century, and he was really not a very smart person when he grew up. People called him, he had a nickname called the Dumb Ox, actually. Uh, But he had this desire to be pure, and he had someone who actually believed in him. A lot of us need people to believe in us. I don't know who the first person was to believe in you who saw a talent in you or who saw goodness in you or who saw that you could make a difference and what difference that makes in your life, right? So for him, it was Albert the Great. And Albert the Great saw Thomas and knew he had a magnificent mind. And Thomas, again, wanting to remain pure, his family is also wealthy, didn't like that. They didn't like the fact that he actually wanted to surrender his life and become a Dominican, a beggar, a mendicant, right? And as he was going through his life, his brothers actually locked him in almost like a castle and put a prostitute in there to actually strip him of his purity. But Thomas Aquinas, he wanted a deeper relationship with Jesus. He knew that the Lord impressed upon him something special because, again, Albert believed in him. He even took a branding stick and put it in the fire and actually told the prostitute to stay away, which I'm pretty sure she thought he was crazy. But love does such things. When you and I are madly in love with Jesus, our lives are radical to a world that's numb by sin. You know, Thomas would later go on to write, and he was so incredibly smart, he would actually dictate in his sleep. He couldn't turn his brain off. He just had so much going on in there. And he, I think one of the reasons why he's so important for us is because a lot of us, due to our public school education, we're kind of dumb. We are the dumb ox because we stripped out something that has come to us, which is philosophy out of our education. I grew up with public school education my whole life. And when I started seminary and I started reading Thomas and I started reading, you know, Pope Benedict and I, I, my brain hurt. And I remember being on my knees at the edge of my bed and just praying and saying, Lord, my brain hurts. Why? Because all I was taught in public education was this. Just do critical thinking. Just do critical thinking. But you know what the problem with critical thinking is? No one tells you how to think because you, ha- you need philosophy for that. You need philosophers, and that's who entered into Thomas's life, which was actually, actually kind of like sketch at that time. Nobody wanted to go to, Tom- go to Aristotle as Thomas was, and Albert was encouraging Thomas to do that. And I can remember as I was, I was kneeling there at the edge of my bed and just telling the Lord my brain hurts. And he's like, that's because you're learning how to think for the first time. What critical thinking taught me how to do in public education, I'm not poo-pooing public education. I'm poo-pooing the fact that we stripped philosophy out of our education system. Is it only taught me how to like listen to sound blurbs and repeat what other people thought. But I never really had any original thoughts. You know, to ask those basic questions which is the reason why most people are leaving the church right now because their, their, their questions are not being answered. And when you look at Thomas Aquinas, he has books upon books upon books with questions and answers, and he's so incredibly intelligent, and he's so incredibly needed right now, but he had to fight to remain pure. He had to fight to remain in relationship with Jesus. But ultimately it was because somebody believed in him. I don't know who the first person to believe in you was, but I know for me, when it came to being a priest, it was my dad. He just looked across the car. We're on our way to baseball practice. I've told, I've told a few of you this, this story, but he just said, you'd make a good priest. And he saw something in me that I didn't see. 
Same as Albert saw something in the Damox, now an angelic doctor of the church, believed in him, and he has helped us so much to get back to the basics, asking those questions. For example, why is there something instead of nothing? It's a really good question. It's a basic question that we skip over so often with our youth when we form them to get confirmed. Or even looking at Thomas picking up those five ways of proving God's existence, or at least least considering the existence of God. And how many of us were taught that in our faith formation growing up? When we come to know that our Lord, and especially our church, the mystical body of Christ, has prepared us well if we open the door, we will have a deeper sense of conviction. But it just starts like we hear in our gospel today. It starts with a mustard seed, which is extremely potent in its flavor, but also in its power if something believes in it and is given the proper soil. Jesus says to us, to what shall we compare the kingdom of God or what parable can we use for it? Jesus is thinking deeply, right? And he says, it is like a mustard seed that is sown in the ground, right? And is the smallest of all seeds on the earth. But once it is sown, once it finds the right soil, which is meant to be your heart and my heart, it springs up and becomes the largest of plants, right? And puts forth large branches so that the birds of the sky can dwell in its shade. What is the Lord talking about? Large branches. What do birds do? They fly and they get exhausted and they need rest. And the Lord ultimately wants us to rest in him. And how many of us are just tired because we're not resting in the things of God? For those of us doing Exodus and Fiat right now, you're, you're kind of experiencing this just detachment and kind of like what it's like to be bored and not being stimulated 24-7 with technology, right? And are you finding rest? true, authentic rest in the Lord. We find rest by spending time with God and his word. We talked about that yesterday. We find rest by just doing something simple and sitting in front of the tabernacle. We find rest by holding our rosaries and resting in our mother's arms. Because, as we said earlier, Thomas was asked one question at the end of his life as he wrote just so much. And the Lord said, you have written so well of me, Thomas. What will you have? You know, thinking prestige, thinking about all these honors. And he said, I just want you, Lord. Nil nisite domine, nothing but you, Lord. And when you and I come to realize that truth, because someone believed in us, and then we're called to pass the torch onto somebody else. But notice how Thomas, he lived like 800 years ago, and yet we still talk about him, or we ought to, right? And no longer is it critical thinking. It's entering into philosophy and just asking basic questions. And in order to think, you need silence. In a world of noise, it's borderline impossible. And as our Lord, who comes to us so humbly, in the Holy Eucharist. Yesterday we asked that question, who am I that the Lord should come to me? That, that question that David 
was posing yesterday. And so quickly, when he became prideful and became lazy, he fell into sin. But then he needed someone to call him out of it. We're going to hear about that tomorrow. That's what we hear about our Psalm 51. It's a, a psalm of repentance, a psalm of coming back to the Lord because he knew, he knew he was not too far gone. And same thing with Albert believing in Thomas. Maybe take a moment of silence just to thank the Lord for whoever believed in you the first time. Because if we didn't have Thomas Aquinas, I don't know what our church would look like, but I don't even want to guess. I don't even want to guess what our church would look like. We have so much to be grateful for. I take a moment to humble ourselves and thank and praise the Lord for he's about to be here. Make him so small so you don't have to hide from him. St. Thomas Aquinas, pray for us.